0: Let's return to our Sunday night series through the book of Acts. It took 44 messages, but we're starting chapter 5 tonight. (laughs) Acts chapter 5. We're considering what it means to be a church in action. And I hope we can say we are. And if we're not, I'm hoping this series will help us to see where we're lacking. And we will correct those things. Maybe we'll find some areas where we're aligned with God's Word. But listen, if we're lacking in an area, we ought to get that right. And it's clear to me that much of the landscape, the church landscape throughout America has clearly departed from what it means to be a New Testament local church. And in many cases, churches appear radically different today than what we find in the book of Acts. And it wasn't because these people early on were perfect. I mean, listen, their their leader is a man who just a couple of three months earlier denied his Lord three times. He's the one that we see time and time again stepping up. He's, I mean, he's kind of doing the stuff here. (laughs) He's kind of leading this this bunch, if you will. And um, these are not perfect people. And yet... They had the power of God upon them. Amen. I'm not suggesting we can live in sin and expect to have the power of God upon our lives. But I am saying we can stay confessed. (laughs) They were not perfect. We'll see that tonight. But they were devoted to God's glory. And as a result, they turned the world upside down. (laughs) All right, let's begin tonight. Chapter 5. You know, I was thinking as... I was driving in tonight that this probably makes a perfect New Year's Day passage. Anyway, we'll see that. Well, I think we'll see that as we go here. So, this is not me, this is the Holy Spirit. Verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. "...brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost." And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered and said unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. The young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. This chapter begins with the conjunction, but... Conjunction junction, what's your function? Hooking <laughs> up words and phrases and clauses. Do not tell me music is not powerful. I can still hear him singing it in that goofy voice, you know. This conjunction is tying this event back with what we concluded. In chapter 4. And so we need to remind ourselves what is taking place there. And as you read your Bible, keep in mind that the chapters and verses are added. They are not original. They help us to find passages and I am grateful for that. Therefore, just because you begin a new chapter, it does not always mean you're beginning a new thought. Remember at the end of chapter 4, this church in Jerusalem was spontaneously led to begin to sell their possessions and they brought the price of those cells, what they made off of those cells, and they laid them down at the apostles' feet and then distribution was made to those who had need. And in the last two verses of chapter 4, special attention was given to a man named Barnabas. His surnamed Barnabas. I talked last time on why he may have been singled out while no one else was, but his name is mentioned nonetheless. And with chapter 5 beginning with the word but, this is being used to make us aware that what we are about to read is standing in contrast to what we saw at the end of chapter 4. And when we put this all together, it would read like this. Acts 4.36 and Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of Constellation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain price and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so we're getting a contrast here between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. They both sold. They had both brought the money and laid it down at the apostles' feet. But Barnabas, Barnabas gave all, and Ananias and Sapphira did not give all, but they kept back a part of the money. So what's the big deal? Well, we have to continue to get the reason why this contrast is so important, why it's here, why it's so noteworthy. This is not a matter of one giving sacrificially and the, others, the other not, though that is true. But in verse 3, we see why this is such a big deal. Look at what it says in verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Now we see what the big deal is. The big deal is that they lied to the Holy Ghost. And immediately following being told that Ananias lied to the Holy Ghost and how he had kept back part of the price of the land for himself, we see what happens to him. So, what, what we see here is that they sold some land. We know it's land because of the, the end of verse 3 here. They sold some land and they keep back a part, but they lied to the Holy Ghost about it. And this shows us in this verse, and maybe we got to kind of read between the lines a little bit here, but it shows us that Ananias and Sapphira had promised God, had promised through the Holy Ghost that they were going to give all their money from the sale to God in their church, but they secretly had designed a plan to keep back a part for their own. And this is where I didn't realize it was New Year's Day, but here you go. Numbers 30 and verse 2. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord. It's that time of year. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Isn't it amazing how many checks and balances are in place today? How many of you bought a house and you got carpal tunnel before it was over? (laughs) Why? There's a bunch of sinners out there trying to scam the system and you got to protect yourself. Right? It's crazy. Used to be a man's word was all you needed. If I say I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you because I value my name above silver and gold. But we know it's not like that today. Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 through 23. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to, to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform even a free will offering. According as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised, with thy mouth. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 4 and 5. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow a vow and not pay. So the word of God's clear about how we should handle popping off at the mouth. Maybe that's too harsh. It's clear that we should be careful when we make promises. Because when we make a promise to God, God expects that we will keep it. God, according to Ecclesiastes, or excuse me, was it Ecclesiastes? One of those verses I read, yeah. God, according to Ecclesiastes, considers it foolish to make a promise and not keep it. And this is why we're cautioned you're better off just not to make the vow. It's not a sin if you don't make a vow, but it is a sin if you make a vow and you don't follow through. Now, we're not told what Ananias and Sapphira hoped to gain by their deception. Many suppose, by how chapter 4 ends, that perhaps they are wanting to get some praise showered upon them. Barnabas has been praised, he's gained recognition, he's been given commendation, and it could be they are after the same thing. Proverbs 25.14 says, Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Now, I reckon it does us no good to try to speculate what they were trying to do, what their motive was here. But I think we are safe to conclude that they cared more about the public display of laying an offering down in front of everybody than they cared about their trespass against God. Yeah. That's why I really like having this box in the back. I mean, I, I'm not against church's passing plate. We used to do that here till COVID. Um, but, <laughs> the scandemic, but. Okay, okay. But we don't need to make a show. That's right. They're more concerned about the impression they would make on those watching their self righteous outward show. And Jesus talked about those who operated that way. They were less concerned with God looking down upon them in their sin. And what they're trying to do here is pull off what mankind's been trying to pull off since we've existed. And that is, they're trying to serve two masters. They wanted the applause of men and the blessings of God. They wanted some godliness and some worldliness at the same time. They wanted their evil to appear good. Luke 16, 13, Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then he specifically says you cannot serve God in mammon. Money, which is what their problem is. Now we also see in verse 3, who was the mastermind behind their deception? And it was none other than Satan. Peter says, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? So they're guilty of lying to the Holy Ghost and Satan is called the father of lies as i was studying this verse i was somewhat surprised to learn that there's some difference of opinion over whether ananias and sapphira were saved or not some say a believer wouldn't behave like this and be filled by satan or it's not it's not saying they're possessed but filled in their heart leading them to lie some so some say they're professors only i'm currently of the opinion these are in christ but they're choosing to live in sin Let's save that debate for another time, but I will tell you that God punishes His own because He loves us. Hebrews 12, 6, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. Hebrews 12, 8, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Do you know how I knew I belonged to my mother and father and that they loved me? I know that to be true because my parents would never chastise any other child except their own. I never saw my dad or mom spank any other kid. But if I crossed the line, the chastening was on the way. It didn't matter how Wesley was acting. It didn't matter how Paul was acting. It didn't matter how Brandon was acting. They never whipped them, but they would get me. Why? Because they love me. Amen. And mercy, they must have really loved me. <laughs> By the grace of God, my dad will turn 79 this month, and he still threatens to make me grab my ankles. PTSD right there. I, I know you're not supposed to reference worldly singers, but I agree with Holly Dunn. Daddy's hands were hard as steel when I'd done wrong. Daddy's hands weren't always gentle. But I've come to understand there was always love Amen. in daddy's hands. Say so what about mama? Because I know she's watching. <laughs> Mama's discipline was love too. But Mama didn't care what she used. (laughs) Daddy used a belt or a switch to my backside. Mama would beat the tar out of me using what was ever within arm's reach. (laughs) And she wasn't taking no time to get a belt. She showed her love in a number of ways. Because I would run, Mama got proficient at hitting me at a dead sprint. say, so what she hit you with? Windex bottles, carpet cleaner. <laughs> She's always cleaning, so it's some kind of cleaning product. <laughs> <Amen. sighs> well, enough of that. <laughs> the point is God will punish those who are His own because God loves His children. And the fact is, our punishment sometimes may even be death. We know we're all going to die because of sin unless we're raptured out of here. But John the Beloved mentioned in 1 John 5, 16 that there is a sin unto death. I believe you can push the limit enough to where God says there's only one remedy left. And I am not going to have you pollute my name any longer. And God may have to take you out early. I think that's the case here in our text. So we see it is Satan who is working in the heart of this couple to lie to the Holy Ghost. And what I want you to get from this is that Satan has now moved his attacks to inside of the church. In the previous chapters, though Satan is not mentioned, we know he's behind the council's hate of the message. And though he's not mentioned, it's clear that Satan was seeking to conquer the church from without. Peter and John have spent a night in jail. They have threatened them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. They wanted to punish them physically, but they didn't think they could get away with it yet because too many people were excited about what had taken place and their publicity would have been too bad. So they held off for now. And since outward attacks are not stopping this church, it's not slowing them down, Satan now seeks to disrupt this body of believers from the inside and to corrupt them with sin. And we can mark it down that any time that we cannot be stopped from those from without, then our enemy will attempt to creep in unawares. Isn't that what the Bible says? And he'll try to derail us from within. He wants to sow discord among the brethren. He wants us to fight amongst each other. Georgia beat Ohio State. Somebody say amen right there. You better get excited about that. And Lisa Romine said, if, if Georgia wins, I'm not coming back to church and I don't see her here today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's in Sheridan with her family. Um, but I had to pick on you just in case you're out there watching. He wants us to fight from within, right? I'm just, I'm just teasing about that. But, but he wants us to bicker, strifes, and contentions. He wants us divided because a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so we have to be on guard. We need to understand how our adversary works. We're told not to be ignorant of his devices. Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. And his ministers into ministers of righteousness. They can appear that way. And we have to stand against the wiles of the devil. But we see Peter is not fooled in the slightest. The Holy Ghost heard the plan of Ananias and Sapphira. And since Peter's being led by the Holy Ghost, he reveals, the Holy Ghost reveals to Peter what was in their heart. Have you ever wondered if the preacher's bugged your house? <laughs> I have. I've been amazed at how many times the preacher has preached exactly what Adrian and I have been discussing on our back porch. And I'm talking about same phrases. It makes you wonder sometimes. Now, some get upset at this and they take the attitude of, well, the preacher's picking on me. Or he's preaching at me. Another common assumption is, well, people must be talking about me. Come on now, if you've been in church any length of time, you know that's true. In reality, you ought to be thrilled that God cares so much about you that He would speak directly to you. Trust me when I say, I don't have time to collect information about what you and your wife are talking about. Nor do I care, within reason, okay? The truth is, I have enough on my plate trying to learn to walk with God. So it isn't that the preacher's bugging your house, but it's because a Spirit-filled preacher is receiving from the Holy Ghost what needs to be said, and he's just being obedient to the Spirit's leading. And we ought to praise God when that happens. Don't get upset. Because I honestly don't know what's going on. Verse 4. Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So this verse shows us how this whole act of selling their property and giving the money to the church for the saints was not something commanded. This was not a requirement. They were doing it freely. And Ananias and Sapphira were motivated by others' generosity, and that's a good thing. It's good to be motivated by others, because the Bible does say that we're to provoke one another to love and good works. But they weren't being measured by Barnabas or anybody else. And and Paul warned us, we're not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves. And so you need to give as the Lord leads you. Now, I personally believe the tithe is still for today. But what we give is ultimately between us and the Lord. And I don't know what anyone here gives. Well, I take that back. I received a card, had a check in, and I put it in the box. I know what one person here gave this month. Well, I don't want to lie, okay? I mean, do you see what happens when they lie? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And we see in this verse that there's nothing wrong if they wanted to keep back part of what they made off the sale. In fact, there was nothing wrong if they just wanted to sell property and keep the money. I would personally say other than the tithe off of their increase, there was nothing wrong with just selling it and keeping it. Peter says, while it remained, was it not thine own? And while you still owned it, uh, is what he's saying. While you still owned it, was it not your own to do as you saw fit? Nobody's telling you to do this. And he goes on to say, and after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? In other words, was it not up to you to do with it as you saw fit, even after you sold it. You owned it. It was yours to do with. You sold it. It was yours to do with. No one made them sell. No apostle came to them and said, now go sell what you have and bring that money to the church. Now there's some like that out there who want airplanes to jet around in. But nobody's doing that here. And after it was sold, no one says, well now that you've sold it, you better give it to the church. But somewhere between their commitment of, Lord, this is what we're going to give. Somewhere between their commitment of what they said they would do and the follow-through, they said to the Holy Ghost that they would set back this amount, but now they're saying, we're not going to do that. Or we're going to give everything, but now we're going to keep back a certain amount. And by not keeping their word to God, they have sinned against God. So, Peter says, Why have you, or why hast thou conceived this thing in your heart, in thine heart? And so, Peter finishes by saying, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You see, Peter didn't require anything, the church didn't mandate anything. We don't mandate you here. You want to give nothing? Give nothing. That's, if you've got a clear conscience with God, you can just do your thing. Listen, we'll be fine without your 20 bucks. I mean, if, if, that's, if that's just too much. And so, listen, we're not mandating anything. They didn't mandate anything. And, and so, they're, they're not lying to Peter. They're lying to God. And doesn't it seem strange to lie to a God who sees everything? Notice the phrasing in these two verses. In verse 3, they lied to the Holy Ghost. At the end of verse 4, they lied to God. This is proof that the Holy Ghost is God. God said He would come and dwell in us. And He does so through the Holy Ghost. Our God manifested three ways. Now, I want to point out from this verse that they... Have not only lied to God, but they are actually robbing from God. The phrase kept back in verse 2 and to keep back in verse 3 are the same Greek words, and they mean to hide for oneself. Strong's concordance likens this to embezzlement, which is premeditated and something that you're wanting to conceal. They made a promise to God, and once they made the promise... That all that all that they would sell belonged to God, once they failed, they were now robbing God. Is everybody with me? Amen. Will a man rob God? Ye've robbed me. Wherein have you have, have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. That's Malachi 3 8. And so God says in Malachi 3 9, you're cursed with a curse. Whoa. Listen, don't play around with what you promised God. In verse 5, after Peter calls out Ananias for lying to God, we read, and Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. Peter had discernment, but it it was God who passed the judgment. Don't miss that. This isn't Peter saying, all right then, zap. God judged Ananias. God will not allow people to keep lying against Him. You say, why does God do this? This is harsh. Well, you can ask Him when you get there. But I know that God will sometimes do things to deter others from walking in the same folly. I learned from my older sister's mistakes. What did Paul say? Look, these things are written for your admonition. And this is also important for this to happen at the beginning of this transition period. Remember, they're now, doing, they're now trying to do the work of the ministry without Jesus around. They've now got God living in them. And so just like the judgment against Nadab and Abihu was important at the beginning of the law, remember they offered strange fire and God took care of that. It was the beginning of a new period of time. Just like here, this, this beginning of this period, God is setting His holy standard. He's taking the Barney Fife method nip it nip it in the bud. and in verse 6 Ananias' his dead body is wound up and they carried him to his grave to bury him and then in verse 7 as a proof that it takes women much longer to get ready for church <laughs> we read and it was about the space of three hours after when his wife not knowing what was done came in Adrian's in the nursery. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Um, So I got a nap in this morning, this afternoon. And Adrian let Carson drive Levi in for choir practice. And I knew she was going to come in earlier than I would normally get up. And so I set my alarm early. She's like, "When when are you getting up to go? I'm like, I got plenty of time. It's only 445, you know. And women just take longer, but Whatever. Women, do your thing. You look good doing it. Um, yeah. It's worth the benefit. If you've got to put paint on the barn, you do it. Right. Now, <laughs> can you imagine this event unfolding before your eyes? Like, could you imagine being these young men who are doing the burials? She, she has no clue what has happened to her husband yet. And Peter addresses her in verse 8, and he says, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. Now this is great, because God says, Sapphira, you need to give an account. I'm not holding you accountable for the sins of your husband. But now it's time for you to give an account. And all of us will give an account. Amen, for what we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Of course, our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Sapphira, did you sell it for this much or not? Well, obviously we know what her answer should be. Peter gives her a chance to come clean. And since they weren't commanded to do this, I personally am of the opinion they would have been permitted to change their mind if they wanted to, so long as they were honest about it. Our God is very long-suffering and merciful. Hey, Peter, I know we said we were going to sell it or or give all, and while we sold it for this much, we decided to only give this amount back. Hey, fine, just be honest. It may not be the best thing for your testimony, but, you know, be honest about it. And, and, And so instead, they're guilty of trying to lie about how much the land sold for, and that's what you need to understand. That's what they're lying about. Tell me whether you sold the land for so much, and all she has to do... Is tell the truth. Did you sell it for a thousand dollars, as Ananias has said? No, sir. We actually sold it for twelve hundred, but we've decided to keep two hundred for ourselves. No problem. But she doesn't fess up. And instead, she answers Peter, yea, for so much, and in so doing, she partook of her husband's forbidden fruit, if you will. And is it ever permissible for a woman to disobey her husband? Yes. Yes. She should have disobeyed here. It's okay, Independent Baptists, it's okay. Because listen, if it's unethical, immoral, illegal, you do not have to follow that man into sin. You come and talk to me and we'll work it out. The moment she lied as well, her fate was sealed. And Peter already knows what her punishment is going to be now. Verses 9 and 10, Peter says unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she straight Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. The young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth buried her by her husband. And if it wasn't so serious, verse eleven would be humorous. And great fear came upon all the church. And upon as many as heard these things. Yeah, I should say so. Hey, listen, y'all ever been down to Liberty Baptist Tabernacle? Man, they, they will kill you <laughs> if you don't give. <laughs> oh, man. That church, they must be independent Baptist. <laughs> All right, whatever. All right, let me hurry here. I, I need to leave you with something of value. I want to give you an observation of how this affected this church. We're talking about being a church in action. Before this point in the book of Acts, this church is firing on all cylinders. Thousands are being saved and baptized. But now, because of sin in the church, things have temporarily stopped. And a strong parallel to this is found in our Old Testament in the book of Joshua. The children of Israel were on a roll. They had just, they were Buddha, they were on a roll. (laughs) They had just conquered the mighty city of Jericho. God gave the strangest plan, but God defeated them. And next on the list was that little old town, Ai. It's small, Joshua, we only need about 3,000 men. Ai put them to flight and killed 36 of them. You remember this? Israel was beaten like a drum. What was their problem? During the defeat of Jericho, Achan saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, 50 shekels weight. And he coveted them. And he took them. Why was that such a bad thing? Because God said in Joshua six nineteen, all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And God said, all the spoils of Jericho belong to me. But Achan decided he deserved some of what belonged to God. And to keep it for himself. And it brought the children of Israel to a grinding halt. Are you with me? They've just crossed the Jordan River. They've just defeated Jericho. And then little old Ai puts them to a halt. And do you know what it did? It discouraged the entire camp. They had to stop to deal with a problem. Achan looked upon the spoils. Ananias and Sapphira looked upon the money. And it all belonged to God. And just as Israel was stopped in their tracks to have to deal with sin, so this church in Jerusalem has been brought to a stop to deal with sin. Though the day may arrive right now in America, it is still unlikely that we're going to be forced underground. We still have freedoms in place. And we need to pray that God will forgive our our country and heal our land. Amen. But in the meantime, listen, we, we still have freedoms. But we can be sidelined. What I'm telling you is right now, it doesn't look like pressure from was out is going to stop us. Even during COVID, South Dakota, we were good, right? Amen. But we can come to a grinding halt because of problems in here. We're not persecuted. But we can be sidelined by what we allow to take place amongst ourselves. And Satan wants to slow us down by giving us internal problems. Isn't that how it is in your house? Boy, it's great when everybody's walking with God, but you let somebody get out of step with God and it brings that family to a halt. And all of a sudden people don't even want to be in the home. And all of a sudden people don't want to be in the church. And all they do is fight. And that's what that's what Satan wants to do. He wants this side mad at this side. Come on now. He wants to divide and conquer. He wants to take this church down. And how is he going to do that? It ain't from the mayor. He's not even here tonight. Yeah. But it's going to be because this person got upset at this person. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Or let's, let's bring it back to our text. It's going to be because this person said to God, I'm going to do this. And then they don't. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we got two dead people we got to deal with. Amen? Yeah. Hey, look at what it cost Achan. His whole family, I think, down to his grandchildren, didn't it? I can't remember off the top of my head. The valley of Acor. And listen, God wants to take us, or Satan wants to bring us down. And God wants to take us to higher heights. And what we've got to do is we have got to understand that if I promise God this is what I'm going to do, you're going to do it. And here it is, it's the new year. Who would have thought I would have had a new year's message? So somebody out there may be saying, God, I'm going to promise you I'm going to be in church. Are you? Because if you make a vow, you better keep it. And if you don't, you're going to slow things down. Amen. Well, God, I promise this year I'm going to, I'm going to be in my Bible in the, in the mornings. I'm going to give that time to you. What if you don't? You see, it never just affects one person. It affects the whole operation. Because well, we're a family i got to stop. I feel like preaching all night. But listen, I just want you to understand my heart that we have got to be in a right relationship with God. If we say, God, this is what I'm going to do, you better do it. If you vow a vow, keep it. God said, I will require it of you. And if you're not doing that, you're robbing God. And, and it's going to slow us down. It can take a church that is in action and it can bring it to a halt. Cause now all of a sudden I got to pull this one aside and I got to pull that one aside and I got to say y'all kiss and make up for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man! That's right. Yeah. Right. Or somebody gets offended at something and God doesn't love me and things aren't going my way. What are you doing? You yeah. you're in the Bible? No. You faithful to church? No. Yeah. All right, I better I better simmer. What are you robbing God of? Are you jeopardizing the progress of this church? That's what Achan did. And that's what this couple did. Maybe it's time you're robbing from God. God says, I want you in the house of God. You say, I don't want to. I want to do my own thing. You're robbing him of time. Because doesn't His word command, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is? Maybe it's your talent that you refuse to use for God's glory. You're robbing God. Some of you have skill sets that others do not have. Don't rob God of that. I don't like the preacher that says ministry doesn't include, oh boy, working on your car. No, that's service. That's what ministry is. It's serving. I'm thankful for those that know how to work on houses and work on cars because I don't know any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's like, yeah, look, that's your problem. Oh, yeah, I see that now. <laughs> what do you think we should do about it? I mean, I know what I would do, but what would you do? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'd get up there and blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? My, I'm sorry, I, I just know sports, okay? <laughs> Maybe it's finances Uh uh-oh, maybe you've promised God. God, I I promise you I'm going to give this much. We have faith promise missions. We could list any number of things, but don't be guilty of being an Achan or an Ananias and Sapphira. Be faithful to do what God has commanded you. And if you've made a vow, keep it. Don't let Satan fill thine heart. Let's pray, and we're going to have a baptism tonight.